Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports. I'm Jason Springer, back here in studio this week with my co-host, Jeff Ruppberg. We're thrilled to join you this and every Sunday on 610 AM Sports ESPN Radio. Jeff, it's the week in between the championships and the Super Bowl. We know it's going to be Atlanta facing New England. Some people called it. Some people aren't sure what to think about it. Jeff, how do you feel about the matchup? A matchup is great. I think it's going to be a terrific show. You ready to watch the game? You'll be in front of the TV? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Are, are you a watch the Super Bowl kind of guy when your yes, team's out? Yep. We talked about about Absolutely. I like it better when the Philadelphia teams are not there. Oh, yes. Then, it, then it, it's not life and death. Otherwise, I'm, I'm in, kneeling in front of the television set and, and with, every, with every pitch, with every uh, uh, play. So I would probably prefer that just because I'd love to be rooting for my team, but I will be enjoying watching the Super Bowl. Are you a Super Bowl party guy? No, no. You like to watch it in the privacy of your own home? Yes, uh, I, do like, I do like watching with friends, but not with a party. I always feel like I'm the unsociable guy at the party who wants to watch the football game. It's like, can you go to a party and not talk to anybody and not be a rude guest? I'm never really sure what, whether that's the case. Am I, am I that guy? Everybody's there hanging out, talking about the game, talking about everything, and I'm sitting there just watching the play going, oh, they should have done this. Well, yeah, I do that too. I scream and yell, and, uh, and my daughter has to get used to it, and the cats uh, all scatter when I start uh, screaming. I, for some reason, think it's more acceptable for me to do that and make a scene when I'm in the privacy of my own home rather than when I'm a guest in somebody else's for their party. I just kind of feel bad by the end of it, like, sorry you invited me. Maybe I like embarrassed my wife or something like that for, for how it was. Are you a I-only-watch-the-game-or-are-you-in-it-for-the-commercials kind of guy? Um, I like the commercials. They're they're shows in, in among themselves. So and they're very expensive too. <laughs> they are expensive. <laughs> I love the reaction to the commercials. People treat them like they are the most wonderful or worst things ever, but they are certainly as much of the talk as the game is the day after. Oh yes. By people and as a marketing guy who spends my living helping people talk, I certainly am fascinated by what people choose to do both with the ads during the games and what they do with their marketing after the games and before leading up to it. Because leading up to the game, sometimes they'll do a preview of the ad, and, le and after they'll have like a follow-up marketing campaign. So the game for them is just kind of a midpoint of their advertising. Right. People don't often realize that. They're like, oh, I saw an ad, and then it airs again, and it's like actually a larger part of their marketing where the game itself is one stop along the way. Right. Did you watch the games last week? Yes. Were you satisfied with the football we saw? Absolutely. I was not. Why? I hate to disagree with you. Why? Because the average margin of victory was close to 16 points in the playoffs so far. I want exciting football. I've only seen one real good game. The game against between Green Bay and Dallas was the best game that I saw in the playoffs. The KC game against Pittsburgh on Sunday night was exciting. The championships are exciting because they're the championships, but they weren't close games so <laughs> so you don't mind seeing a blowout if oh it's the i love best i love blowouts that's the best do time. you yeah especially when the philadelphia teams win so you love blowouts that's interesting i I, I i'm not a i love to see close games i love the excitement and the pressure it is maybe I just enjoy anxiety and, <laughs> yeah, and right, living yeah, through yeah, a nervous yeah. time for the show. And uh, I don't know. I just enjoy seeing it uh, closer up and um, the team's really living and dying on every play that they have. W what do you think? I, 
I, I, when, it, when it happens like that, I'm usually a nervous wreck. Uh, I can't wait for the commercial. And then I'll sometimes switch the channel if it's too uh, nerve-wracking. But it's only nerve-wracking like that when it's the Eagles or, or with the Philadelphia team. So, yeah, I, just like a, I do like a close game, but I also like a blowout. I also enjoy when they do the fan shots when it's a close game, where the fans look totally distressed watching yes, the game. Right. Uh, Jeff is in studio putting his hands over his mouth. You can't see it, but that's the shot that I love of the fan who is enjoying the most exciting time of their life yet looks so miserable right, because yeah. they can't enjoy it because they're so scared that their team may give up a big play and the game will swing. Well, when it's the fan of the other team that I don't want to win, I enjoy that. Very much. You Just do. like you do, yeah. <laughs> I, I enjoy watching it all. I, I enjoy the atmosphere of these games. I, I think the championship atmosphere, I, I enjoy the celebration afterwards. I just like that whole circumstance and situation that we get to see as sports fans. I would love for it to happen with one of our teams. It'd be great. Yeah, I remember. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I remember when the Phillies were in it and when the Eagles were going to the World Series, my brother and I were buying tickets to go to Jacksonville like I want that feeling back as a fan so I, I don't know you about Jeff but I'll, I'll take a little anxiety when I can get it that's fine so yes. let's let's talk about what happened last week you uh you're amazed by the fact that Brady continues to succeed without Rob Bronkowski without Isn't other it, weapons they just find people they take Eagles castoffs and castoffs from other teams they take everybody's castoffs and and they and they not only survive but they succeed so the the person who enjoys in, the uncomfortable nature of things inside of me, although I can't bring myself to root for Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, I am looking forward to seeing if they do win, how Roger Goodell has to hand Tom Brady the <laughs> Super Bowl trophy after yeah, everything yeah. with the flake right. gate and the suspension. And, you know, Goodell's on the radio earlier this week saying nothing would make him happier than to give him the trophy. And if you believe that, I've got a bridge to sell you over to Pennsylvania or back to Jersey right now. Uh, right. I, there is no way that Roger Goodell is looking forward to handing Tom Brady that Super Bowl trophy. If he could be rooting openly for the Falcons, I think he probably would be at this point. Right. Yeah. However, it, it should be a very good game. I'm, I'm hoping Atlanta wins. I can't root for uh, New England against um, really any t- except maybe Dallas. I would <laughs> I, root for New England that against would Dallas. That be the worst situation. That was what I didn't want was New England-Dallas because then I couldn't root for anybody. I'll be rooting for <laughs> Atlanta um, just because – I enjoy Matt Ryan and the type of offense. I find it exciting that they run. I don't know if we'll necessarily make predictions on this week's show or wait till next week, but I'm going to be fascinated to see how these defenses attack these quarterbacks. You've seen a different New England team every week of the season. They adapt to who they're playing. They come up with a game plan that, that tackles the strength. What are they going to do to try and eliminate some of the weapons that Matt Ryan has between Mohamed Sanu and, and Julio Jones and the running backs and, and the other skill positions that they have on that team. What's that New England defense going to do? I know you know who that star is going to be. It's going to be Eric Rowe, right? Right, absolutely. <laughs> Former Eagle Eric Rowe, who was not good enough to be in the Eagles' future plans, but was good enough to be making an interception in last week's championship game for New England as he goes to the playoffs. Right, and, and he, uh, he, was, he was a gift. He was a gift for a, a fourth-round pick in the 2018, so that's next year's draft. Come on, Jeff. We didn't really need a cornerback or no, a defensive no, back. I no. mean, it's not like we had any problems at that position this year that sure. we could have used somebody who could actually intercept the ball. You know he's got better hands than our wide receivers? Well, sure, sure. And uh, Patrick Chung, I'm thinking of, too, another starter for New England. 
He, uh, he, he wasn't any good with the Eagles. Well, there's a lot of people who weren't any good with the <laughs> Eagles. You have to wonder at some point if it's the players or if it's the coaching, and we talk about that a lot. Um, we'll have to see in terms of those players. I did enjoy, though, um, Emmanuel Acho tweeted that the person who traded him for Deion Lewis should be fired. And so Joe Banner responded that he was the guy that made the trade. Right, yeah. And so I enjoyed that on Twitter. Nobody thought Deion Lewis would be what he was. He was cut by the Eagles and Cleveland before but, he went to New England. I loved him when he I was here. I loved him too. I thought he but, was very good. But they were not, with what they had in their backfield at that time, they weren't going to give him the time to play. I thought that he deserved something more, either on special teams, giving him the opportunity to return some kicks, see if he can do something there before you just let him go. But, I mean, he's a gem for them. They, oh, they're, sure. they're going with LeGarrette Blunt, who was a cast off someplace else, and Deion Lewis. And, and Belichick has it where Blunt violates the team rules. He sits him down, and Deion Lewis goes wild all over the field. They have uh, offensive linemen that could open up holes, and that's what the Eagles haven't had. So he was not probably not going to play very much at the time, and so now he's playing a lot. I'm confused. There's supposed to be holes for people to run through? Yes, yes. There's also suppo- you're supposed to catch the ball when it's thrown to you. That's absolutely. Have, so we've just been conditioned not to have that happen with our teams. I don't know what, what the coaches are, are teaching them, but uh, the wide receivers have a really hard time. Well, it looks like, and, and you sent me a note, actually, you were pretty excited about the fact that we weren't going to let another Julian uh, Villanueva or uh, Alejandro Villanueva happen uh, right. in terms and, and of it, our yes. player who we let go on the defensive line that Pittsburgh made into a very good offensive line. So what did we do this week to make a so, change so we don't have that happen? So Taylor Hart, who had been trying to break in with the Eagles, had, had played a couple years. Then they cut him, and he went to another team for a short time this past year and then came back. They're switching him from defensive tackle to offensive tackle. He's a big guy. He's, he's probably 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, something like that. It, if there is any signal that's going on by the moves that the Eagles are making, it looks like they're looking to make some changes on the offensive line. Uh, if I'm Jason Kelsey, I'm wondering whether I'm going to be in this town playing football. Wait, wait a minute. He's, he's a member of the Pro Bowl team now. Isn't he uh, going to play in that game, that Pro Bowl that's coming up? Uh, Does that mean that he should stay here on his contract? No. <laughs> not not <laughs> if uh, I can help it, <laughs> but uh, I can't. <laughs> I mean, look, I, We've talked about Kelsey. I happen to think for the offense they're trying to run, he's just undersized. Um, I, I don't think that, and we talked about this when we had Trey Thomas in studio, he would like to see Jason Kelsey put on 30, 40, 50 pounds because when you've got a defensive tackle lining up against you and just bull rushing you every time, you just don't have the leverage when you're not that big all things considered. I mean, I'm, I'm a guy who's barely 5'6", and here I am saying that an offensive lineman is not that big. I really have no room to talk. But it looks like the Eagles are looking to make changes, whether it's Sayamalu that ends up at center and they reshuffle things on the line, whether Taylor Hart has a role, some of the other players they're looking to bring in um, that they drafted last year that played well. So we're going to have to see what they do yeah, with that. Well, I don't think they're going to keep Wisniewski. But he's played center. Remember Julian Veld, Vanderveld, mm-hmm. on and off the team, cut, brought back, cut, brought back. You he pay was, particular attention center. to people who make it on the practice squad and yeah. go back and forth. Yeah. And yes. for our listeners who don't know, Jeff enjoys watching the players who get put back and forth onto the practice squad. He always wants them to play on the big team, and oftentimes they, when they end up playing, they play well. 
but Jeff is watching regularly for minor leagues and practice squads and, and is very happy when some of those players make, it, make, the, make the team. I like to watch the uh, preseason games. So I'll go to as many as I can because I want to see who makes the team. Do you watch the Pro Bowl? No. <laughs> no. So you'll watch preseason football, but right. you won't watch the Pro Bowl. No. You can no. never make fun of me for DVRing a Sixers preseason basketball game ever again. Then. That's right. That's okay. True. So, yes, uh, I did that uh, earlier this year to watch Ben Simmons. I may have problems. It's something that we get over. Can I finally on this radio show say something good about my college alma mater? Yes, yes. The Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers football has as many players as Alabama does in terms of the most players for any college team playing in this Super Bowl. So we can't say that the college uh, sports doesn't prepare people for the pros. It's just that not a lot of them make it. It's also just that when they're at Rutgers, the teams don't play well when they're in college. So that's a challenge also. But having endured this whole season of getting score updates of tough Rutgers scores that I didn't want to see, it is nice to be able to watch a game and see somebody say a positive thing about my football team that doesn't always get the wins. Well, I went out to see a Rutgers game. uh, How'd it go for you? Hmm? How'd it go for you? They won. They did? Yeah, it was against Tulane. Did, do you hear the surprise in my voice? Yeah, yes, yes. It's, it's that doesn't years. happen often for us. Uh, it was the first time I had been to a big-time college uh, ball game. So cause I went to a small school called Alfred University. They're in Division Three, So it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And the crowd noise, it was being almost being like at the Lincoln Financial Field. Only they did a lot better than the Eagles do sometimes. <laughs> That's not often heard that Rutgers played better than the Eagles. That's not something that you hear uttered regularly. It's funny because when I was an undergraduate, they couldn't give away tickets to the games. Uh, right. When I was a freshman, they tried to give us tickets with a hot dog with a bus ride over, and people still wouldn't go. And now they're building additions onto the stadium and trying to make themselves a big-time program as a member of the Big Ten. So it goes to show you over time how these things can change. Jeff, what do you do after the football season ends? Are we just bored at that point? No, no. The football season never really ends never for me. Ends. The uh, off season is the free agency starts, and then the uh, the draft. Do you watch the combine? Are uh, you a watch like the players coming in kind of guy? I don't go down there, but uh, I watch the uh, reports. I yeah. watch it on NFL Network. Right, I, yeah. I'm that guy that they're creating programming for. <laughs> the person who will literally just watch anything that they put on TV. So now they have them running down the field in shorts with a stopwatch. And I will actually sit there and have that on my TV. My wife may be concerned about this commitment that I have to yes, watching yes, sports. Right. I know, Jeff, you are concerned about my commitment to yes, yes, watching those sports. About, about to have a new uh, child in your life. I am. A son. hoping uh, everything goes well and, any, and, any uh, day now. He might be joining us by the Super Bowl. We'll see. I got a quick story for you about yeah. that. Uh, when Leah was a, a baby and um, I'm watching an Eagles game and there's a, our, our cat is, uh, is sitting there and uh, the Eagles scored a touchdown and I, I screamed, yay, you know, and uh, Leah started crying and the cat jumped off the uh, sofa, <laughs> like ran. And cat my, didn't know what was and, going and, on. And my wife started yelling. Be- so Between yeah, your you can, celebration and the baby crying, the cat was totally confused about right, what was right. going on there. But you have to be, you'll have to be careful because you can't scare your uh, your newborn there with a, with an Eagles touchdown. You start yelling, I'm, jumping up and down. and I'm already making them a Philadelphia fan. Isn't that enough that I'm doing to my child? It's like, I, I feel... <laughs> That's look, right. I feel partially bad i love being a philadelphia sports fan but i'm bringing a child into this world and i'm 
subjecting him to the agony that I've had for the last 38 years. And it's like, here, come join me in this fun. So my hope is that if he's born now, that in a couple years when he's old enough to start enjoying it, all these times of struggle and suffering, like the process and <laughs> the minor leagues and all that, those players will be on the pro teams and we'll have some fun product to go down and watch. Do you think I have any shot of having that happen, Joe? Yeah, in a couple of years, yes. You think so? Yeah, I think all the teams will be really good. I hope so. I, You and I have had this conversation before. I am um, a little more patient in terms of it uh you have obviously been waiting longer than i have for yes, it right um despite Since 1960 that's that's a little bit longer than me right uh, i for some reason am still a patient person maybe i would be less patient when my son is sitting there struggling with me over this and i'll want You'll have somebody to, to watch with yeah i will somebody to commiserate with somebody who can be like why are you crazy dad all those kinds of things that he can do watching me watch a game and he'll watch a, a game with uh, one of his uncles who's who's a giant or a Dallas Cowboys fan, <laughs> and he'll come no, back no, to no, you no, and say, "None Dad, of my family. I've, I've decided to uh, to root for another uh, team." He will not do that. He will not do that. Um, there will be no. I've already joked with friends about they are not allowed to buy gear for other teams. I don't care if it's a cute baby outfit. Don't bring it to my house. <laughs> don't bring me a Dallas star to put on my child. That will not happen. I joke with people about that regularly. Uh, you don't. You don't paint your face now. Do you when, I, I, when you watch it in front of the television? No, I barely get dressed to watch uh, these I, games. Are you kidding me? Paint my face? Uh, no, and I, especially after I have the kid, I'll barely be sleeping. So, well, I have friends who tailgate at the Eagles games, and they've told me if I'm going to bring somebody that uh, cheers for the other team, not to come into the uh, a parking lot. I'll be killed before he gets gets to the uh, look. To I don't. Park. I don't begrudge fans of other teams. I just don't want them to bring it into my house. Uh, don't don't try and convert my son to being a fan of your team. He will suffer with me. Thank you very much. Um, actually, we'll be double fisting. My son will have a bottle in one hand, and I'll, I'll be there with a, a drink in the other hand, and we'll be watching and commiserating together. Hopefully, he'll be drinking uh, water or a, Coke. Uh, or milk yeah, or milk something, or any of those juices, things. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll just hopefully still be standing at that point. So we're going to watch the Super Bowl. We've got that coming up. We've got the Pro Bowl this week, and then we've got the NFL offseason. Are there moves that you're looking forward that, that Howie you think is going to make? We've seen some questions about the salary cap and the, the cuts they might make in terms of letting go of players. Anything you're particularly looking out for as we head into the offseason, Jeff? I would like to see the Eagles next year play that uh, Watson as the uh, offensive um, uh, ha the halfback or fullback. And I really think he's good. The Eagles had a guy a few years ago, his first name was Bryce can't remember. He, he, he had, as a rookie, had 700 yards. Mm -hmm. And then they traded him to Buffalo. They, We're for good a at future that. Pick. Yeah. We're good at that. Uh, I, I would like to see a big guy like, uh, you know, uh, Rathman or a, um, what's that guy's name? Uh, a, few, a few other fullbacks I, that, have, that have big guys that can bowl through the line. I think a fullback would fit well into Doug Peterson's offense. I think that that would help. The problem is, Again, you need to strengthen the offensive line first so that your position players can play their position. If you're keeping your tight end to block on every offensive play or you're keeping a running back in to pick up a blitz every time, that's one less person out there to make a play. So separate from the fact of actually catching the ball or holding on to it, you need to make sure they can get out in the route. And so I think a fullback would be helpful, but I don't know if they're going to run that type of more traditional offense. Doug seems to want to be have multiple wide receivers, spread them out a little bit. Oftentimes, I'd prefer they run more 
than they are. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that with bringing in a fullback. I'd, I'd like to see them th- th- try something new since whatever that they were doing before wasn't exactly working. Let's try something else. So the definition of insanity is trying the same thing and expecting a different result? Right, exactly. I'm with you there. I'm totally with you. Jeff, you want to take us into a break, and then we'll come back and talk to our special guests after that? You're listening to The Heart of Sports on 610 AM Sports. It's time to head for a break. When we come back, we'll be talking about sports memorabilia and collectibles with our guests Scott and Michael Bornfriend in studio. Stay right here. And we're back. This is Jeff Rutberg along with Jason Springer. You let me we're come back, Jeff. Yeah. Thanks for keeping me back. around. That's right. Yeah. And uh, you're on 610 AM and WTEL Philadelphia. So we got guests also, now. We have guests. Yes. Uh, so let me introduce uh, Scott and Michael Bornfriend of Memorabilia for Charities, a company that was started over 15 years ago with one goal in mind help raise money for as many worthy causes as possible. Memorabilia for Charities provides sports and entertainment memorabilia for use as auction items at nonprofit fundraising events. Welcome, Scott, and welcome, Michael. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys for having us. So other than finding your way into the studio, how did you find your way into this 15-year business now? Many years ago, we had a store in Cherry Hill called Hello Sports Fans, and we would bring players in to do appearances and they would do autograph signings and over time you collect a very very large case of items that uh, were available and a woman came in one day looking for a donation for her uh, golf outing for her charity and uh, they wanted one of everything in the case and although we weren't going to donate everything uh, we agreed to go out and provide an auction for them on a consignment basis Uh, while we were at that event two other people came up wanting the same thing and Uh, a whole new business was born. Uh, When we sold the retail business, we kept the charity part of it and have continued to raise money for charities ever since. We always talk here on the Heart of Sports about the role that sports plays in society and the impact that it has past just balls and strikes. That's how this show came about. It's why Jeff and I enjoy talking to different people from all different walks of life. So let's talk about the impact of charity on sports and sports on charity. How do you have a business that is solely based on the ability of other people to give you their merchandise, basically, to make money for charities off of? Where did this come from? It was just people coming in the store, all of a sudden now this is a business for us? Yeah, basically, a lot of, I mean, memorabilia is what itself, you're remembering a moment. Something memorable happened and that's why you're choosing for to get a specific item. Uh, it might be something from the 2008 Philadelphia Phillies World Series. Everyone remembers the Leeds Ruiz hug right at the end. That's a moment that will live on in history. That's something that people are going to want at their wall. They want to take a look at that. They want to remember that moment in time. 
And if someone can get this type of image while supporting an organization, then you know they're more than willing to do so and look forward to the opportunity to do so. So let's talk a little bit more about the intersection of sports and fandom and memorabilia. Uh, I watch games all the time, and I love having collectibles, something that reminds me of, of where I was. Is there another industry where there's that type of intersection? It seems like people's bond to sports, maybe music or something, some other type of large industry, but their bond and their commitment to their team and their sports really makes your industry thrive because people want a piece of that action. They want to remember that. Oh, they want to remember that. It also goes into the music industry. It goes into the entertainment and the movies because everybody has their own passion for their own type of thing. Uh, at When it comes to sports, uh, what you're going to find is, as Michael had said, people want to remember an event. They may want to remember a player. They've got a favorite player that uh, they follow, a favorite team that they follow. Uh, whichever way it goes, uh, they, you more and more nowadays, you've got people who have fan caves and man caves, and they can't find enough items to put in there to fill the walls and fill the cases and fill everything that they have. Do they necessarily all want autographs, or can it just be a picture of a player? Yeah, it's not always autographed. Uh, in certain cases, it's more fans of teams as opposed to individual players. A lot of people want the autographs when they're there to meet the player. That's basically what the autograph is to them. It's a memory they had the opportunity to meet them. So non-autographed are just as popular. Oh, just as okay. I remember um, when I was a kid, my, my father would take me to Franklin Field to see the Eagles. And uh, we would stay uh, afterwards and go to the uh, locker room, the locker room door, and out would come the players, maybe half an hour, 45 minutes afterwards. Not, not now. Now it would be, you know, they're all being interviewed. But by, back then they weren't, um, it was, sports wasn't like it, was to, it is today. So we could, I'd, so Timmy Brown would come out and other players of the Eagles, and I can get their autograph. Nowadays, forget that. Did you save the them? Hmm? Did you save those autographs? Um, There's probably a value I, here. We could talk I, to our I, memorabilia I, I collectibles. Did, I did, but my mother, may she rest in peace, uh, threw a lot of them out or gave them to my little cousins. Is that, how do you end up determining that something is authentic? I would assume that you have things that are put into the memorabilia market regularly and you have to verify that they're legitimate. It's not just me going in the back of the car and signing somebody's name and saying, hey, here's a picture from this great athlete. Absolutely, and certification is 100% important in this. So there are two ways we go about authentic authenticating different uh, items. One of them, it's signed right in front of us. There's no way to make something to feel more confident about it being real than when the athlete, the entertainer signs it right in front of you. Besides that, there are a couple of third-party authentication companies who are incredibly credible in the business. You send an item to them, they give you an expert opinion as to whether or not it's authentic. Okay, all right. Uh, so Jeff, you were, I think you were curious about what happens when it's a fake. Like, right, yeah, what happens uh, when a fake is found? Um, what, do you, what do you do? Luckily, we haven't had any uh, situation like that occur with us ourselves, but if that was be the case, you simply would choose to no longer work with the person that supplied you that item, or you simply throw it out. A fake item is no good to anyone. Well, no, no. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, uh, there, Jeff, there is a lot of fraud out there, so you've got to be really careful. A friend of mine was uh, a, collect a collector, and um, he was. Uh, I remember going to his house, and he was getting things ready for a, a sale, and he said, 
he, he can't believe it that a lot of, uh, a lot of these things that he's found were, were fakes and that uh, some of the things he's just not going to be able to sell, he's going to have to keep them. He said, well, that's okay because I like, I like this stuff. But, but uh, he was really uh, disgusted that uh, there was so much fakery. There's actually a book that was written called Operation Bullpen. Uh, I read it about a year or so ago, all about forgeries with the Mickey Mantle market. And it's just absolutely amazing what's become of this. Back in the day, sports memorabilia, it wasn't the same business it was now. So you didn't have the same quantity of items out there. There wasn't the same amount of forgery out there. But unfortunately today with the business that it is, you have to be very, very careful. It really is a business. It's gone from a hobby, uh, uh, something that people did for fun, to a career for some people of getting memorabilia, distributing memorabilia, selling memorabilia. What has the professionalization and the the business side of a collectible market done to the industry? Has that made it better and stronger, do you think? Or has it changed in a way that, that isn't the same for collectors? It's really changed the dynamic of the industry completely in a lot of ways. Uh, in addition to making it more difficult in some ways for the collectors, it's making much more profitable for the athletes. Athletes are commanding higher and higher dollar amounts in order to uh, make appearances, whether public or private, in order to sign autographs. Uh, perfect example, uh, Odell Beckham from the Giants, when he was a rookie, uh, his first signing was very, very reasonably priced, and the day after he made the catch that everyone talks about uh, in the end zone against the Cowboys, uh, his price doubled, and the demand for him increased. As the demand for the player increases because of popularity, because of their performance, uh, the cost for the autographs goes higher and higher. That leads into one of our next questions. How is the market set? How does it determine that Odell Beckham is worth X more the next day? Where does that number come from when the initial number may be more reasonable for somebody to expect? That's simple. They're agent. Uh, if someone like that makes a catch, makes that memorable moment play, then there's going to be more demand for them. And in the world we live in, the agent wants to capitalize on that. And you have enough collectors out there that someone's going to be willing to pay that price. So it's strictly supply and demand at that point. If they, they can demand it and the supply of their autograph is limited, it just drives the value up. Yep. So does that make them less likely to want to sign their autograph because it becomes more valuable the fewer that are out there? Or how does an athlete handle that type of situation? It makes it more valuable for them not to sign as frequently at the stadium after the game, before the game for the fan, knowing that they can get paid to do so. Most athletes still will sign even a limited number because I, I guess, it, you know, at the end of the day, they realize that there are fans out there and they don't want it. They don't want bad press about themselves. I think everybody knows that no athlete can stand there for three or four or five hours and just continue to sign and sign. They certainly, they choose a career as a professional athlete, but they're human beings. They have lives beyond the sport that they play and they want to go home to their families as well. Do fans understand that? Some. It seems like sometimes fans aren't appreciative of those three hours put in. They want five hours put in, especially if they are not the one to get the autograph. Like if it's cut off right before them, they're less accepting of the, the athlete to do that. Well, technology's also made it l a lot more of a challenge because with smartphones and video on the phones, all of a sudden, everything that goes on, uh, you're under a microscope. And if somebody's recording it, you don't know what's going on, the player doesn't see it, and he walks away, well, who's the bad guy? <laughs> I have a question here for you, Scott. 
I saw a piece that you did recently. Um, it was the a cutout in letters of Philadelphia Eagles with the Eagles behind them. Do you do that or do you buy that uh, somewhere? We actually design all those and we create the pieces ourselves. So that's something that we did our, on our own. And we do that with all of our uh, memorabilia. You, you actually do the artwork? We, we have a team that we work with mm -hmm. that assists us in the CAD design, if you will, and the creation of the pieces. And we do all of our own custom framing. If I could oh. let you both know, Jeff, I would accept a gift from you. If, if you wanted to get me <laughs> one of these custom design, I'm willing to have you support charity for me. Well, if, if well, you want to, <laughs> we probably will get a onesie for your. Uh, there son, you go. It'll but be I don't collectible know if you do anything onesie. like that. Do you? Uh, you when you had your store, you did uh, uh, press on um, um, designs for T-shirts. I and got my like jerseys that. through you guys yeah. at the store <laughs> years jerseys, ago. We did T-shirts. We the, the funny thing is uh, when we had our store. Virtual Hospital was right up the street, and there were a number of times. We actually had an article in the Courier Post uh, where we were interviewed, and uh, one day we showed up, and there was a guy who was standing there still with the bracelet from the hospital, and he looked like he'd been up all night, which he was, and he was there specifically to buy a baby outfit for his newborn child. <laughs> That may end up being me in a few days. <laughs> do, um, do, you, do you still do that? Do you still do jerseys and... Uh no, we don't. Yeah. That, 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 even that industry has changed dramatically. The costs of acquiring jerseys, even from the manufacturing standpoint, are so much higher that there is a what they call custom jerseys, which are basically the same color but missing the logos of the team that allows them to be mu much more cost-effective. So that's not an infringement if you don't have the logo, if you take the same colors and same look and feel but you don't put a patch on there, you kind of get around. Well, a lot of times you're talking about basically a solid colored jersey with maybe just one or two stripes. So uh, for example, the Cincinnati Bengals, they have a stripe on their helmet. That's specifically, that's trademarked to them. But if it's an orange helmet, there's not any direct trademark to a team. Uh, oh, you need okay. lawyers. <laughs> yeah. I need lawyers to figure this out. That's why our focal point is on the pictures, on the framed items, because of that exact thing. Everything's officially licensed and we don't have to worry about any of that. Okay, so uh, there's a licensing agreement. I remember 25, 30 years ago, you could just um, you, you put eagles down on a, uh, <laughs> no. on a and, and, and press it onto a T-shirt, and there you go. No way. Now, nowadays, mm -hmm. well, there are other eagles. There's high school eagles, and there's... Uh, I, I think you know. the name itself you can't copyright, but if I understand law, you can't use the same font. It's you can't the font use the same colors. color. Font, yeah. it's, it's basically ripping off their intellectual property by taking eagles in the color scheme that they have in the font that they have in the look and feel so you can have a local high school be the eagles as long as they have a different logo that doesn't right, different logo. correct right, exactly yes. the logo and the colors is what separates it well jason mm -hmm. you've got an eagles hat on yourself today i do and that that's the obviously the old colors <laughs> the old style but uh, a perfect example is exactly what you're wearing no one else can use that exact design the, the kelly green i'm still a kelly green guy i wish they'd bring it back i wish that their alternate jersey is much as I enjoy the black, I would love to see a Kelly Green alternate jersey. That would be great. Come back. Uh, I understand it that they they don't do it because of the helmets, and you can only have one or two helmets. I understand that. I happen to think that the the midnight green on the Kelly Green helmet with the the jersey would still look fine. I would like that for the color rush better. But you're right. I am wearing my my classic eagles hat and which is licensed by the nfl yeah. i couldn't get it if it wasn't somebody couldn't sell it to me and i i want them to go back to the uh 
prettier color of the green in the past because they've never won anything with this midnight <laughs> green and black uh, logos and stuff like that. Jeff brings the sunshine to the show. <laughs> I, bring, I bring the clouds back. Don't worry. All right, so I have a question for you that isn't the collectible memorabilia part, which we'll come back for a second. But I told Jeff I want to ask you a personal question. The only thing I ever took care of better than myself in life was my baseball cards that I collected. I still have them all in jewel cases. My parents actually saved them for me. I think that the box that holds them may be more than the cards that are all in there now. What happened to my baseball cards in the market? Why are none of them worth anything now? You Obviously, you bought cards from the 1980s or oh, the 1990s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there is still a huge market for baseball cards when you go back to the 60s and the 50s and further back. Uh, what happened in the 80s and the 90s is the proliferation of companies that got licenses and produced cards, and the cards were produced in such larger quantities that it just destroyed the market. So the card that I was excited about, that I thought I was the only one who had, you're telling me that everybody has. Uh, the card that you had that you were excited about is certainly not the only one. <laughs> there go my dreams, Jeff. So I thought yeah, that I was yeah, going to put my son through college <laughs> by selling my baseball cards, and I can't even sell one of them. Nobody wants to buy them. Right. It's, but it's funny. I still have them. I still you know, look at them. They're still in the cases. I'm sure some of them have value. It's kind of sentimental at this point, though. Do people get collectibles from you with that in mind. I did it because I was collecting and and I was a fan and I wanted that. Is that why somebody comes to you or do they come to you for some other reason? There are a few different reasons people come to us. Number one, they just, they're collectors. They want to have it on their wall. They enjoy the team. They want to share that with themselves. Also, gifts are quite popular, even at these different charity events. We've Jeff, did you hear that? Gifts, yeah. popular. Gifts. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, sure. I take okay. gifts. Okay. Sorry, okay. keep going. That's okay. So oftentimes, it might be an older picture of a golfer, a uh, 1960s Eagles team. Someone comes up and says, hey, I want to buy this for my dad. My dad took me to this game. Different circumstances like that go on. So it just helps you remember it. So the gifts, personal, those are the two main reasons why people buy it. But at the same point, they sometimes just like something. And it all goes back to if they can get something and support the organization they want, they're going to do it. That's what separates us from the store in the mall. So you give a percentage of the, uh, wh whatever fundraiser it is, you give a percentage back to the uh, institution. There. Exactly. So is it the experience that people are buying? Is it the signing that they like being a part of where they can get their picture taken? Or is it, what is it do you think that motivates people the most at this point? To purchase memorabilia or to come and meet an athlete? Feel free to answer both of those questions. <laughs> I think you asked it better than me. <laughs> well, obviously, meeting the athlete for a lot of people is extremely uh, memorable for them. In, in a lot of cases, people come up, their hands are shaking, their palms are sweaty. Uh, there's sweat dripping down their brow because they're so nervous at the idea of meeting one of the idols that they look up to. Uh, and those experiences are irreplaceable. Uh, the memorabilia part of it, uh, allows them to relive in some cases those moments uh, that maybe they missed out on that opportunity or they were at the game and they wanted something that they would have on their wall, as Michael mentioned before with Brad Lidge and Carlos Ruiz, the celebration of 2008 when they won the World Series. Well, if I was at the game, boy, how nice would it be if I had a picture on the wall signed by both of them uh, you know, that uh, allows me to commemorate the, the winning of the, the Phillies winning the World Series that year. 
How about the uh, uh, old stadiums? You get the the uh, the grass from uh, pre- the, the like Connie Mac Stadium and yeah, veteran the chairs, stadium the things veteran like that. Yeah, the yeah chairs, I definitely exactly. want the astroturf from the vet because that was so much fun to sit on and, and watch people <laughs> play, play on, on and yeah, and watch them get hurt. No, I do actually have I have uh, two photos on my wall that are framed. One of them is an overhead shot of all the stadiums before. The Spectrum and the Vet were knocked down when they had built Citizens Bank Park and built uh, the football stadium, and they had built the the hockey stadium down there. And then the other one I have, it's a series, a sequence of photos of Veterans Stadium actually coming down. And and I actually have, my my brother had gotten me, it was one of the no-smoking signs from the Vet. So I still have it up in my office, so it's not like official memorabilia, but I think people inadvertently collect things that they don't even realize sometimes. I think people lose sight of what the term memorabilia is. It's anything collectible. To you, that's that's a memory, it's memorabilia. It is certainly something that commemorates, doesn't necessarily have to be an event, but the arena that they played in. So it's all memorabilia, it's just by a different name. How about the uh, programs from like, uh, the Connie Mac Stadium. I used to get those programs for 15 cents, and then later it went up to 25 cents. And I used to keep score in every one of them. And, I, I, and my mother would say, what do you have it for? You're not a statistician. You're not working. In a, <laughs> what do you keep it? I can't keep it. There's too much in this house. Blah, blah. I, I think she threw them out. What would they be worth today? Everything's based on condition, but there's certainly value to some of those old scorecards from back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're unscored, and they are in great condition, it's worth more once they're scored. Obviously, they've been handled. They're probably not going to be in the same uh, condition as something that, for lack of a better term, would be looked upon as being closer to brand new. One of my friends recently sent me a uh, World Series ticket that the Phillies didn't uh, play in 1964. I remember uh, when they, uh, in 1979 or 78, um, I sent in and, and was on a, and it was a lottery, and I got a ticket for the uh, 78 World Series, but they didn't play in that either. I took a picture of that. But this, this 1964 World Series ticket, is that worth anything? Or uh, There's value to it, but just like there's not going to be the same market as other things, so the definition of that is whatever someone's willing to pay. If, uh, Jeff, if Jeff's friends who sent him the ticket is listening this week, he's not trying to sell it. He's just asking a question. <laughs> <laughs> For debate purposes, he appreciates it. He was actually very excited when he got it and right. showed it to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is, as we sort of wrap up uh, the end of the segment, what is your message to people who would like to get involved with your organization, who you think would be interested in participating? If you're holding any type of charity event, if it's a golf outing during the spring and the summer and the fall, if it's a gala, if it's a comedy night, uh, any organization that is looking for ways to raise additional money at their events, we would love to be able to be there to help them do so. Uh, One of the nice things about what we do is we don't charge an organization to be there. So it's simply sharing the revenue of any items that sell. Uh, So a charity has absolutely nothing to lose and additional revenue to gain from having our support. Do you also go outside of uh, Philadelphia? Do you go to other cities and... Yeah, we do probably 50% of the fundraiser events we do are from Trenton and North in the New York area. Uh, 80-90% of our business in the tri-state area, but we've worked in close to 18 or 20 different states. And, so. and do uh, Philadelphia 
um, collectibles do well in other cities or New York? Uh, New York collectibles here? do quite well in Philadelphia. Philadelphia, uh, not so much in New York. Right, yeah. Year, years ago, I got into uh, uh, cards, um, stickers and, um, and birthday cards and stuff with the uh, logos of other teams. And, and I, I sold it at a flea market when I when was going out of business. And all the New York teams sold, but I couldn't sell any of the Philadelphia teams. We want our own stuff. We don't want anybody to buy it anyway. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we don't need you to buy our gear. Thank you guys for coming in. Jeff, you want to take us to yeah, the break? Thanks a lot to Scott and Michael Bourne. Thank you for, for having us. You're thanks, welcome. guys. You're welcome. You're listening to The Heart of Sports on 610 AM Sports. Time for our final break. When we come back, we'll talk about the playoff-bound 76ers. <laughs> there you go, Jeff. Stay with us. <laughs> And we're back. This is Jeff Rutberg on 610 Sports, along with Jason Springer. This is the heart of sports. What a fun segment that was, Jeff. Talking yes, was. collectibles and memorabilia. I'm sorry if it made you seem like I was just in the radio show for you to get me a gift. Oh, no, no, no. That's okay. And it wouldn't even be for me. It'd be for my son. But I, I, I don't want it to come off that way. So if I, should I offer you that I'll get you a collectible or memorabilia? Yeah, so one, our guests, one of these days, sure. This way our guests don't think that I'm just a taker. No. Like so speaking of taking, I'm taking all the fun of watching the Sixers I can right now. I am literally watching every game, even when Embiid is not on the floor. I'm loving watching a team that's playing good ball. Jeff, have you been catching the Sixers games? Yes, I have. And they won the other day for the second time without Embiid and without Okafor. Now, Okafor, I don't know why they're not playing him. Well, it seems like we've talked about this on the show, trying to figure out which pieces fit for this team. And I, I just don't know if they think that Okafor is a fit. Now, a couple things could be happening. I hear people say, well, maybe they're showcasing Noel to try and raise his value to trade him. I think they're showcasing Noel because he's the piece that fits better with Embiid. I sure hope they sign him for next year. Look how well he's doing. I would like them to, but I guess the question as a fan is, will he walk away as an unrestricted free agent? It seems like at this point, he's enjoying being embraced by the fans. He's having a good time with this team, and he's really fitting in well. Yes, and that's true. However... As far as fitting and as far as playing well and learning to win, all that stuff comes in college, in the minor leagues. Once you get to the pros, you need to go. That's assuming that they played in college for longer than a year. Yeah, right. That's true. Mean, That's true. We look at it through the lens of they went to college, and you think of college as four years, but a lot of these players spent barely a year in college. How can you draft somebody with just one year of, of experience? Well, that's what the leagues turned into. That's why scouting and projections become so important for teams, because you're drafting players on potential and on talent, not on the real end product that is there at that point. Frankly, if a scout sees somebody who they think is the end product in a draft from college, they probably go with the player that they think has the upside they can develop rather than the ceiling that's already been met. It's just where we are in the league right now. It's why you have high school players that get drafted in the past. It's, sure. it's, it's why you have teams where general managers lose their jobs by passing on known quantities in order to draft somebody that might turn into something. Now look at this with Okafor. They're, they're number one pick, right, mm -hmm. in, their, in the draft. A terrific player, scored a lot of points last year, 
And now he's suddenly uh, persona non grata. They're going to trade trade him. Well, I think that la- remember last season, Joel Embiid wasn't on the court, mm-hmm. and now with Joel Embiid on the court, the Sixers are building a team around him. And so with him and Ben Simmons, you have to figure out what other players are going to be a part of that process. And I know the word process is a bad word, but uh, well. who's going to be on that team when you reach the playoffs and the finals? Who are those team those players going to be? Is Okafor going to be that player? I've, I've told you my opinion, which we don't always agree on this. My opinion is that Okafor does not fit in on this team the way that they are constructing it. Now, that's not to say that Okafor isn't a professional basketball player. I think Okafor is a more traditional center, plays his back to the basket, plays down in the lane, uh, that type of player. I don't think that's what the Sixers want or need right now. Well, if they don't play him, then that process, it was a bust for, for, a, for the pick last year. And if they do play him and he doesn't do well, it's still a bust. I think that it's not a total bust bust either way if you trade him for somebody that becomes a piece it's not a bust because you're looking you have to look at through the context of how they did it at the time whether you agree or disagree their process was acquiring assets people who had some kind of value so just because Jaleel Okafor doesn't have the value that we want on this particular team they would probably argue that he would have that value for some other team and we can trade to get a player a shooter who can make some shots when Embiid's there or when Simmons is dishing the ball or when you eventually have a point guard who's not T.J. McConnell who's playing well. Well, look what, what can also happen is he turns into another Eric Rowe and, and plays for a Boston Celtics and, and there's a leading scorer and takes the, the Celtics to a championship. I think, How would that look good look in Philadelphia? Well, it depends. If Philadelphia wins a championship with the players they get, I don't think anybody will care. But if Philadelphia struggles and doesn't reach the promised land that they've been told would happen, and the Celtics then win. people are going to mind the fact that Okafor is putting up points. But sometimes you have to trade something to get something. And so well, we know what the needs are on this team. They have a glut of big men right now. The needs are a shooting guard, another point guard. They need people on the, the one, two, three side of the roster of the court than the, the center or the power forward. They should have a really good team once it all, it's all put together. When Simmons starts playing, I'd like to see him start playing after the All-Star game. I would love to also, but I go back and forth on that. I would love to see him playing, but I'm a, I'm afraid of any of these guys getting injured. I want to make sure they're healthy. But you can't uh, go through life like that. You Why not? I do it all the time. <laughs> I, I worry every time Joel Embiid gets on the court. I may be the only person who's not disappointed that he's not going to the All-Star game. Not well, because I don't want him to be an All-Star, right. but because I don't want to see him playing in any games that don't mean something for my team. Right, yeah, and, and if he'd gotten hurt or... You know, it's nice to be on the All-Star team, but I think Shaquille O'Neal had a, had a point there that saying uh, on, on, uh, on a show last night that uh, um, because uh, Embiid doesn't play all the time and takes a rest, you know, how could you compare him to other, other players on other teams that are making the team? I actually thought that was kind of ridiculous because at playing at the minutes that he's playing, he's only second behind Wilt Chamberlain. Ever oh, okay. in the history of the ever, league. Ever. In terms of points he's scoring for minutes that he's playing. 
So I understand the, I happen to think that the NBA doesn't want to justify the process also. Well, yeah. Accepting Embiid onto that team is saying that what you did to tank is okay. And oh. I don't know that they want to do that. But I think it's funny because you have Sharich, Embiid, and Okafor all on the Rising Stars team. And what is that? I, I haven't it's the, heard of that. It's the rookie sophomore game that's played the night before the all-star game. So Okafor makes it as a second year player when he's barely even playing right now. And Embiid goes there again. I just have no desire to see players that I want to see playing on my team going out there and even taking the chance. I want to see them healthy and resting. And so, uh, on the, the all-star game, there's no 76ers represented. Not on the on the main squad. Yeah, so I'll be I won't be watching. You won't be watching. No. Would you have watched if there were Sixers? Would that change? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm not a big NBA All Star Game guy. I've never been. I enjoy the skills competition for NBA and NHL much more than I do the games. I love the three point contest. I I like the dunk competition more now. For a couple of years, they got away from it where they were jumping over cars and stuff like that. And I think that's all really silly. They should raise the uh, basket another two feet and then, then not see if they can put the, a ball on the basket. Uh, I'm sure that... <laughs> sorry, you got me speechless on that one. I didn't, I didn't expect that. I, I, I don't mind um, the competition side of that, the, the sort of exhibition. Uh, I, I don't really like the exhibition nature of the all-star games themselves where it's just let's not play any defense let's just throw the ball up and that i'm not as into but i enjoy the skills competition where you see just how good these players are the three-point competition where you see just how good these guys are about dropping shots in the nhl where you see the the hardest shot and they shoot it over 100 miles an hour or the accuracy or the speed or some of those things that these players have that aren't always exhibited in the game themselves well when they have a shootout you could see that too Mm -hmm. Um, but the nhl uh, game doesn't matter either and now baseball changed the all-star game so so that it's uh, just another game. Good. Before, yeah, and I, I agree with that. I thought that was the dumbest change when they made it to the person who wins, make has the World Series at home. Nobody like if the players aren't going to care about the All Star Game, why are you going to have everything for the season ride on what happens in that? Well, they didn't expect uh, the American League to win so many. Jeff, you had a prediction of uh, 19 wins for the Sixers. Right, and that's doable. It's just a couple couple games away. They're getting there. They're We're getting taping there. this show on a Friday this week. They play Houston tonight. That game was moved to primetime on ESPN. We'll see whether Embiid plays. For me, it's not about the final number of wins. I, I love seeing that they're achieving this. I'm not one of those guys that thinks that they shouldn't make the playoffs if they can. That's not where I come from at it. I like seeing that you have players that are showing growth. They're becoming better players playing with each other. They're playing like a team. You have a point guard who's distributing the ball. You've got Sharich and Ilyasova who are playing roles. Ilyasova, he's your boy right there. Yeah, he's dropping like threes like it was nothing right. the other night. But they'll, it's the wins. If they're winning, then they'll be playing as a team. It, it, goes, it goes together. I think that it's... I think the win is a justification and verification of the team play. And I think the win creates excitement around the franchise that has more people want to come play here. You know, Joel Embiid himself is, you know, it attracts more people to come play on your team. 
Right. And he's out there doing what he's doing. Right. Uh, and But they've tanked for so long, I want to see the victory. So 25 is the next goal. And I, I don't think, think they're doable. trying to tank, though. I think they're trying to win. I just don't know if they will every game. I think the next couple games they've got a favorable schedule, but they're going to play some really seasoned teams, and you're going to yeah. want to see how your young players stack up against That's them. That's true. You can watch that in a game, but I want to see them win. That's It's about the wins for me. I understand. And, and I've, I've, I've supported the team. I've gone the last couple of years, you know, not too many games, but at least one. Are you waiting until Ben Simmons comes back yes, and then you'll I go am. down? Yes, and, and then I'll go, go down and, and see another game or two. There's some um, excitement down at that th- arena. Th- there is. Um, I've been receiving phone calls from the uh, Sixers uh, uh, ticket uh, sales department, and but I'm not going unless um, I, I want to see the Simmons and, and Embiid play together. So... We have the opportunity to make the playoffs and still get a couple draft picks with swaps between the Kings and the Lakers, both of whom have been struggling. I'm actually worried that the Lakers are playing so bad at this point that they may end up in the bottom three and that pick would still be protected. It still would be protected? So uh, that, that the, the top three protection, so four through above, isn't a swap. And then it becomes they have uh, to keep clear waiting. the next year. They have to keep waiting. Well, that's the idea, though the asset becomes more valuable over time. That was the idea behind the trade. Now, you may disagree with the theory of that trade. Right, they got nobody. <laughs> they <laughs> been looked at it years. as a long-term investment oh, to get somebody. You, like a, you like have a, like no a, patience for the long-term of anything. No, no so the 2018 uh, dra- fourth-round pick that the Eagles got for Eric Rowe, you know, now the Sixers have to wait three or four years. That, that does nothing for me. It does if they end up getting the play you want to win you a title it does nothing for you today people are evaluating the process on where the team is right now you're not going to be able to see how successful it was till three five years down the line when those picks come through when those swaps are done and when you see what players ended up on the team and what players were moved then you'll know how successful this effort was we're looking at it in real time and making a judgment based on a snapshot today and saying it's a success or it's a failure based on this player playing or that player not playing or this player not fitting and it's like buying and selling people now right so this isn't that what the reserve clause and free agency uh, tried to get away from that's really free what free agency is it's buying and selling people you decide whether you're going to Buy high, sell low, you <laughs> cut them off the team. I mean, that's what sports is. You and I talked about this after the show, actually, about whether players should be held to the same standards as a doctor or somebody else, that when they don't play well, they shouldn't make these huge salaries. Doctors will be fired if they don't do a good job. Players will continue They'll to get, sued, yeah. depending on the league, players could keep playing and get those salaries and be overpaid. Now, in football, they can cut you. So football is a little different than some other leagues where people collect big paychecks that they sign, like a Ryan Howard type deal where you're collecting and not producing. But I joked with you that no offense to weathermen or women, but it's kind of like that. You don't really have to be right. You just have to do the job. If you're playing and not winning, you're still doing your job. Well, yes. Um, but we can we can talk about that another time. That's a that's a, that would take a whole, a whole hour. Okay, that's a, we'll do that another <laughs> yeah, I show. I just don't don't agree with with you about that. I don't think they give a hundred percent all the time. That's the problem. I think that some athletes they are not motivated on on every night, and sometimes when you have longer seasons, you have that happen. But then again, I, I always tell people I, I've worked with plenty of people in my professional life who haven't been motivated. So it's not <laughs> yeah. just athletes, sure. but I think there's a spotlight on athletes because of the compensation 
compensation they get for the work that they do compared right. to other people. And being under a microscope uh, and with a television uh, uh, monitor, yeah. So we're headed to the NHL All-Star break. The <laughs> Flyers head there on a three-game win streak. Right. This is their third long break in a month. Yeah. I, I don't like well, that. Well, that's because they're in their 20s and they get tired. <laughs> They have to take a break. <laughs> Do you resent them, Jeff, that they get this time off? I've never seen this before. This is the uh, first time I'm really seeing that, that they get a break. I've never seen this amount of time in between where they're off. But as the Flyers head into the break on a three-game win streak, they're actually in the fifth position in the Eastern Conference. They've got a slim lead on the second wild card spot. So we can uh, play the playoffs sound. I have a funny story. Um, I was, uh, when I was uh, doing uh, home care nursing, I went to a patient's house. They were in there. They were seniors, so I was a little surprised at their the way they uh, they reacted. They had flyers, banners, and pennants, and everything all over their uh, walls. And I thought it was their son that was a, a, a an avid uh, Flyers fan, but it was them. So uh, husband and wife. So uh, I was going to be in the house for a few weeks uh, doing some wound care, and uh, happened to mention they, you know, we mentioned we talk about the flyers, and I happened to say this that. And at that time, the Flyers were going through a streak where they would finish either in first place or second place, or when they finished in first place, they would have the overall uh, wins uh, for the whole league. So the, any any uh, series they would be in, it would be they would be the home team. So uh, so I said, you know, what the Flyers do, they they keep winning and winning and winning, and then what happens? They finished overall number one, and then they lose in the quarterfinals. They'll break your heart. They've been doing it for the last ten years. Suddenly, the room became icy, icy cold. They did not take and, kindly and, no, to you. And, and when I tried to visit them the next uh, couple of days later, they, they, at the door, I knocked on the door and they said, we don't want you to take care of her. Um, you insulted the flyers. So I had to f apologize profusely and they let me back in <laughs> and they, I continued until her wound healed and I discharged her. But uh, sh they were very, very upset about that. So... <laughs> I, not, That's what the Flyers do. It doesn't matter where they finish. You they, could they have to be, make the playoffs. You could be right, but I don't think everybody's looking for that advice. I, <laughs> I think that they want hope. Uh, whether or not it's justified or not, I think fans in general want to be hopeful. They want to, if their team isn't winning now, they want to know when they're going to be winning. Well, I want them to win. You I do, do I but do, apparently but <laughs> the, the woman who was the Flyers fan didn't believe you wanted them to win <laughs> enough them, right. from the commentary that you had. Yeah, that was 20 years ago. So It was 20 years ago. <laughs> they, they, they do need to, to do a couple things differently. You've had Neuberth come back and play a little better. They're going to have to figure out who their goalie is after the All-Star break. Again, the same conversation we've been having for 20, 30, 40 years. Yeah. Uh, but they need to become more consistent when they're 5-on-5. Five five. They're ranked 28th in scoring in 5-on-5 five five hockey. Right. Y you can't win games if you're ranked that low. If you can only win on the, uh, the power play, but only could score on the power play, sure. You're not going to be on the power play that much. It's just no. not going to happen where you can make that happen. They also don't do well in the shootouts either. Well, but This year a little bit better. A little bit better this year, but it's funny. I never thought that I would actually enjoy watching the Sixers more this season than the, the Flyers, Flyers this right, season yeah. started, but at times I become more frustrated watching the Flyers with their giveaways than I do with the Sixers. They Just the way that they play ball has been exciting. Yes. So we've got the Sixers playing tonight against Houston. We've got an open weekend for 
no football. There'll right. be the all-star game. Right. No hockey. There'll be the all-star game. Hopefully I may end up going to the hospital at some point for a baby in one of these days right. or weeks. Yeah. We'll see. So how about you want to make a prediction for the Super Bowl? Or is it too early? You know, I, my heart says Atlanta. My head says I still will believe somebody beats Bill Belichick and Tom Brady when I see it. I want Matt Ryan to win that title, and I want to see that happen. I think that Atlanta had a unique advantage against Seattle in that it was their old, it was the old Seattle defensive coordinator that built the defense that was the head coach for Atlanta. So I think they had a, an advantage against them. I think against Green Bay, they just outplayed them. Uh, they just dominated Aaron Rodgers. Can they be in Tom Brady's lap? Because Brady, if he gets comfortable in the pocket, will carve you up. Right. They right. have to make sure he's not comfortable. I think ultimately Atlanta will win a close game. I could call in next week if I'm not here in the studio with you and change that pick. So subject to me changing my mind during the week, I think Atlanta's going to pull this one out. I think so, too. I'm hoping to. I think that Atlanta will win by three. You think but by I, three? I think the score, though, will be in the 20s somewhere. So I'm just hoping for a 24. good game. And I can't wait to see all the proposition bets. I enjoy seeing all the different crazy things. Who's going to have the first reception for 23 yards? And <laughs> I always enjoy those crazy things that people decide to put their money on. Not that we encourage gambling on this show. Do you bet on that? No, I don't bet on okay. anything anymore. I, I dabbled with that when I was a younger man and, and realized that it was not my forte. Right. I'm much better watching sports and talking about sports than I am betting on sports. And remember, uh, Matt Ryan's uh, Philadelphia He's area. a local yeah, boy. He's a local boy. So he's a I'm local boy. We don't, yeah. we don't really treat him that way, but he is. And just because Patrick Chung and uh, Eric Rowe played on the Eagles at one time. I'm not rooting for them. No, you're not rooting for them. No. And I won't be rooting for the Rutgers players out there. But that's all the time that we have this week. Thank you for joining us on The Heart of Sports. Make sure to join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. Uh, thank you to our guests in studio. And we look forward to joining you next week. Everybody have a great one.